Well, let's honor him today. Amen? Let's honor him today. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? I want you to remain standing for just a moment. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter number 7. We're going to finish up our series on dealing with defeat. We have talked about the, the anatomy of defeat. What happened? Joshua, Joshua just acted without asking. He went and did something without talking to God first. And, and so usually that leads to defeat. How many of y'all know what it means to just act without talking to God and getting messed up with it? Amen? The second thing, he, he, he accepted the wrong advice, was listening to the wrong people. And, and because of that, he faced defeat in his life. But then we talked last week about the effects of defeat. The effects of defeat. When we face defeat in our life, what is, uh, what is one thing that normally happens? We want to blame God for what's going on in our life. Joshua was blaming God. God, why'd you do this? Why'd you take us out here to be defeated? So forth and so on. And then he wanted to blame everybody else. He wanted to blame everybody else for his problems. And, and he said, what am I supposed to do when Israel turns their back on their enemies? And not taking responsibility for his own actions. And, and, and listen, as long as we have that mentality, we'll never experience victory in our life till we're willing to say, God, it's me. It's me in need of prayer. Amen? Now today, I want to talk about the antidote. The antidote for defeat. What do we do when we face defeat? When, when defeat does come, when we are in the midst of that failure, when we're in the midst of that defeat, what do we do about it? What takes place? What do we need to do to make sure that doesn't ever happen again. How many of y'all ready to hear that say amen? amen. I am too. Let's read. And, and, and I, I met a little fella. I met a little fella in the, in the restroom this morning. And uh, he was the only one in there. And he was about that big, I guess. And when I walked in, he turned around and looked at me. And he said, you're the guy that talks up on the platform. I said, yes, sir, that's me. He said, you talk too fast. Amen? I said, okay, I'm going to slow her down for you. Amen. We'll... We'll make sure, and this was a bad time to have to talk slow. I got a lot of stuff to cover today, amen? Uh, Joshua chapter 7 and verse number 5. Let's skip to verse 5, and I'll catch you up to where we are right after we read. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and wrote, or smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. They were grieving. They were mourning. They were uh, in a situation where they were, they were broken and in shock of what happened. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, first he blames God. Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we'd been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs upon their enemies? Listen, now he's blaming others. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Now he's in a mode where he thinks the rest of his life is going to be about defeat. That's where a lot of people in this room right now are, right there. You've had, you had a failure in a life. Hey, listen, it, maybe it was a relationship failure. Maybe it was a ministry failure. Maybe it was something in your life, some, some area that's always bringing defeat in your life. So you have given up and resigned to the fact that it's always going to be this way. So what's the use? Amen. But I'm glad when we get in the mully grubs, God don't let us stay there. This is what we need to learn today. 
And I'm going to give you three points, but we're going to hunker down in the first one because that's the one I really need you to get, and it's really important. If you don't get that one, the rest ain't going to matter. Are you all with me? Now, here's the message. Watch what happens. Verse number 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, say it with me, Get thee up. Say it again. Now, watch this. He goes from that statement to a question. And the question is really important. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, for they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the curse from among you. Father, help us today. Bless your word. Speak to our hearts. Lord, you... Just use me as a mouthpiece. Help me to deliver your message with, with the Spirit of God and the anointing upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you were a first-time attender today and you filled out one of those prayer cards, we want to go ahead and take them up at this moment. If you filled that out, did we have any first-timers here today? If you have your, your prayer card, just hold that up real high where we can see it right down here on the front. All right. Church, let's give our first-timers a hand today. Amen. Amen. We are glad to have you. Now, here we are in this story. This is to catch everybody up. If you're here for the first time or maybe you missed the last two weeks, this is where we are. The nation of Israel has come out of Egypt. Uh, They have been uh, promised a, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. They are here now at the very border of the land, the Jordan River, and they are fixing to go across. And in Joshua chapter number one, God comes to Joshua, and he says, Now you're in command. Now you're in charge. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now I need you to take the children of Israel, go into the promised land, and and take what I have promised you. Then he said this, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. No man shall stand against thee all the days of thy life. In other words, you're going to be undefeated. You're going to experience victory. Wherever you go, I'm going to let you find victory in the steps that you take. Now, that sounds pretty good. Say amen. They have the first city they come to. This city is a major fortress. It is a citadel. I mean, this place is incredible. Got walls that you just could not believe. And God allowed them victory, told them exactly what to do, told them how to do it. They marched around the city. The city fell. They went in. They had victory. But there was a stipulation going into that city. Now, this city of Jericho was basically the first fruits of the promised land. And I don't know if you've known and and read the Bible enough to know, but God wants the first of everything. God will be blessed. God will be generous. God will honor you and bless you and meet your needs and provide for you in the most incredible way. But he always asks for the 10%. He always asks for the first fruits. And Jericho was the first fruits. And if you will, if you want to use this terminology, Jericho was the tithe of the promised land. And he says, I want you to bring all the silver, all the gold, all the good things and the, and the precious things because this is a tithe of everything that I'm going to give you. Now, God doesn't need our tithe because he's broke. Y'all with me? God doesn't need our tithe because the recession in heaven is really rough. That's not it. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. 
And we have one man in the whole city of, uh, in the nation of Israel who went in, he saw the gold, he saw the silver, he saw the Babylonian garment, and he saw it and he looked and he lusted and he took it and hid it among his stuff. What did God not have? God didn't have his heart. He took that and because of that, God cursed the whole nation. He stole, he took what did not belong to him, and God brought a curse upon the nation. Well, the next city that they come to is I, little old bitty, rinky-dink city that didn't amount to nothing. And Joshua went to his men, never talked to God, never asked for direction, never asked for counsel, never asked for advice. He went to his men and said, what do y'all think? Go check it out and come back. And they said, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a city. Just send, just send a few up there. Don't make everybody work for this. Now, we know God said different, didn't he? Well, he accepted the wrong advice. They went up there, and they got it handed to them. They got whipped. They got defeated. Thirty-six men died because of Joshua's actions. Now is where we're at. I wish... I wish I could go into every one of your and, and mine, every one of your defeats and my defeats and make it where it didn't happen. But I don't have a magic wand. How many of y'all could have used magic wands in your life? Say amen. I wish I could go back in every failure of mine. I wish I could go back in every defeat of mine. I wish I could go back in every situation where I got ignorant and I, I, I messed up, but I can't do that. But, I can tell you what to do now. Say, preacher, I have messed up. I have failed in my life. I have done some things. What do we do now? Well, that's where we're at. Today, we're going to talk about the antidote, the antidote for defeat. What do we do once we've been defeated? All right? First thing I want you to see, Joshua's here. Let me, let me read it because it really makes a whole lot more sense when you read it slowly. Look in, 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 in verse number 6, chapter 7 and verse 6. Have you found your spot? Say amen. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord. Until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And then verse 7, 8, and 9 is his complaint, his, his, his issue that he is bringing forth vocally. And, and, and how many of y'all believe that this seems like a natural response? I mean, they've just been defeated. Uh, they've had 36 men get killed that he had to watch and he had to see. He has to go and visit their widows and tell them about the soldiers that are not coming home. And now he is in a grieving mode. Now, how many of y'all, in your mind, this seems like a natural response? It does to me. I mean, it seems like that's what I would be doing. I would be grieving. I would be upset. I would be down and out, and I, I, this really seems like a natural response. It seems like something that we would do, because some of y'all are still doing it. Say amen. But what does God do? God comes to Joshua, and the first thing he does is says, Get up. Get up. Then the second thing, and this is the question. This is what made me think about the situation like I'm thinking he says, what are you doing? Didn't he? Y'all get with me now. I know it's early in the morning, but get with me. The quicker you get with me, the quicker I'll be done. Say amen. What are you doing? In other words, like, this is an unusual situation. This was not supposed to happen. In, in our minds, Joshua is doing what comes natural. Joshua is doing what we think. But to God, this is not right. This is not what was expected. 
This was not supposed to happen. What are you doing on your face? Don't you remember what I said in Joshua 1? Don't you remember the promise that I gave you? Don't you remember what I said? Don't you remember that I said, No man will stand before thee all the days of thy life? Don't you remember that I said, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee? Don't you remember what I did for you in Jericho? Don't you remember how you never lost one man in Jericho? Don't you remember everything that I've done for you? What are you doing on your face? Here's the point. When we are facing defeat in our life, the first thing that we need to do, I mean the very first thing we need to do, is remember the promise. Remember the promise. Don't you understand who you are? Don't you realize that you are a child of the Most High? Don't you know you are a child of the King? Don't you know that greater is in he in you than he that is in the world? Don't you know that you are a victor and not a victim? We need to remember the promise. How many times in God's Word, and I know what y'all are saying, I know what you think, oh, that's Old Testament stuff, that's Old Testament stuff. Let me read a little bit of New Testament stuff. Romans eight thirty seven. Nay, in all things, how many things? All things. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. 1 John 4, 4. Hey, ye are of God. He reminded them, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always, what's that word? Which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. 2 Peter 1, 4. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. What does that mean? In God's mind... And God's conscious, when He speaks to His children, He expects you to be a victor. He expects you to overcome. He expects you to be a winner. The word loser is not even in His dictionary. He expects us to come out every time on the right side. He expects us to come through every valley. He expects us to get over every mountain. He expects you to win. Defeat and failure should be so unusual to the Christian that we're going to say, man, if this happened, there's a problem. Because that's exactly what God said. What are you doing on your face? There is a problem. You should have won. You should have been victorious. Now, laying on your face ain't going to get the job done. Now, I'm going to say some stuff that's going to make some of y'all mad. So y'all might as well just suck it up today. Say amen. Whining will never solve a problem. Whining, I said it, whining will never solve a problem. Joshua was in a whiny mode. And God said, get up. Get up. What are you doing? Let me, let me tell you. Most people today, how many of y'all realize that we have a bad, bad, whiny culture in America today? Most people today, they don't want help. They want sympathy. When they come to my office, they will just pour it out, buddy. I'm talking about pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. And I'll listen because that's my job. And that's what, that's how God helps me. I listen, I listen, I listen, and God says, 
right there. That's the issue. Bring that up. Talk about that. And most of the time, it's not the issue that they come in with. Most of the time, 90% of the time, it's not the issue they come up with. They just want to whine about the symptoms of the real problem. And then I'll say this. I'll say, okay, here's the deal. I, I, I get that. And I think this, 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 and this is the problem. This is what we're facing. Now, this is what we need to do about it. Here, 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 and here. What? I, I don't want to do that. Oh, oh. You just want to whine. Amen. Don't we hate to hear this? And I look, look, I get to whining thing. When I'm sick, I'm terrible. When I'm sick, you ask my wife, buddy, I milk it for all it's worth. I'm telling you. But that don't solve a problem. And I, I'm not here to baby you today. Because we got too many babies in churches today that they don't want help, they want a pacifier. And that's why the church is getting anemic. The church is getting weak. It has no effect in the community anymore because we got churches full of babies and not churches full of soldiers. And I found out this. Most people don't want help because they enjoy being babied. Because what happens is when, we're in, when we're, we have an issue, we come and we get people. This is what people do. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I understand. You poor thing. You poor baby. And, and, and I don't know about y'all, but I kind of like that. I kind of like that when Tammy does that to me. I kind of like it when she, she pampers me and babies me. But that's not going to solve a problem. That's going to make me needy so that I want other people around me doing that and pampering me and babying me and, and all that. And then when somebody comes up and says, all right, look, let's stop this, let's, let's quit the whining, let's fix the problem, then they're the bad guy. That's good stuff, preacher. Woo! Preach it right there. Hang on there. Put her down. Plow her down right there. See, I brought my own shout today. I knew it was going to be like this. I got another one in this pocket right here, so I'm going to use it in a little bit. Aren't we that way? And I'm being a little funny here because this is so real and it's so right and tight when most folks, we don't want help. But guess what God did? God didn't say, oh, you poor thing. I know that must have hurt. I tell you what, I just, I'm, I'm feeling you right now. God didn't do that. What'd God do? Tell me what God did. Get up. Y'all with me? Get up. What are you doing? Here's what happened. Here's what happens, and this is where we're at. And this is why I said this is the most important, really the most important point of the whole deal. We have a failure, and this is the biggest lie that's ever come out of hell. And I said it come out of hell. It came out of hell. This is the biggest lie that's ever come out of hell, and it's affecting more Christians than anything else. Well, we're just sinners. We're just old, rotten sinners, and that's... And, and which, hey, we're not going to be perfect. So, and this is the mentality we go into. What's the use? It's just what I am. What? What Bible are you reading? You're a conqueror. You're a soldier. You are a victor. 
victor. You are not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. Paul doesn't call them old sinners. Paul calls them saints of God. We're not supposed to be living in sin. We're not supposed to be out there and say, well, I'm just going to make mistakes. Or what's the, we're, and, and, and I know what some of you are thinking. You're preaching a sinless salvation. No, I'm not. I'm preaching a sinless salvation. We can be victorious. We can walk in the light. We can walk pure and holy. We can walk with God because if we couldn't, God would not have commanded us to do something that was impossible for us to do. Amen? But we'll settle for this mentality. I'm just an old sinner. I'm just human. That's making God sick. You are just human. But there is a power that's inside of you. If you belong to God, the Holy Spirit of God is up inside of you and you have power beyond your wildest imagination. And if you fail and if you are defeated, that's an unusual thing. It should be. If we was to mess up, we say, what in the world? We should be so used to victory and so used to defeating the enemy that when we are and we trip up and fall, it should throw us into a mindset of how in the world did that happen? Let's see what we need to do about it. Amen? Let's remember the promise. Let's remember who we are. We're kings. We're priests. We belong to God. I'm a child of the king. I'm not going to walk around. I'm not going to walk around in defeat and depression. I'm a winner. God is inside of me. Amen. Remember the promise. Number two, let's resolve the problem. What did God do? He said, "Get up. What are you laying down there for? Get up." Then he says, "This. There's a problem. There's a problem. And until you fix that problem, he said, there's an accursed thing in the camp. And until you fix that, you're going you're going to always be in defeat. So go fix the problem." Now, here, here's two things I want you to write down, and we'll talk about them in just a second. Two things on resolving the problem. I know you're thinking, well, if it was that easy, it is that easy. Guys, it really is that easy. Counseling, counseling and going to God is all about God pointing out the issue in your life that you need to fix. And God can help you fix it. If we are in defeat, we're not supposed to be. Because he's our God. He goes before us. He fights the battle for us. So if we are in defeat, then there is a problem somewhere. Here's what we do. Here's, here's the mentality of most Christians today. Here's the mentality of most Christians today. Say I come in this building before everybody gets here, and I go to the light switch, and I turn the light switch on, nothing happens. Nothing happens. This light's always before. What's wrong with the lights? They have never failed to come on. I don't know why the lights didn't come on. I can't believe the lights didn't come on. My goodness. They told me it was going to be like this. I can't believe it. Man, the lights are just not working. Can you believe the lights didn't work? And on the other end is, oh, that's not what we do, is it? You say, preacher, you're just being ridiculous now. Am I? What we do, lights don't work. 
then I know if the lights don't work, there is a... I'm going to go find the breaker box and say, okay, do we have a fuse out? I'm going to go find the... and then fix the... not tell everybody something ain't working. Right? And I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I deal with this every week. Every week. For about 17 years, this has been my life, and this is what I'm seeing. I don't see a lot of people saying, okay, preacher, help me find this problem so we can fix this. I want to have victory in my life. I want to have an awesome relationship with my spouse. I want to fix this kid that, that, that we are having issues with, and I, I, I want to go forward in the ministry. I failed in this area. Help me fix it. I don't see that. Mostly what I see is people wanting to feel sorry for them and feeling sorry for you. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rude, and I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just I got to fix a problem. I can't. I, we, we, we don't, we, we're running out of time to pe- patting everybody on the back. If I just pat you on the back, you're going to go back out in this world and the devil's going to beat the devil out of you. But if I can help you solve that problem, you're going to come out of vi- uh, uh, just a victorious Christian and you're going to have so much fulfillment. How many of y'all like winning? I hate losing. And I'm not a poor sport, but I'm a poor loser. There's a difference. There's a difference between being a poor sport and a poor loser. I don't like to lose. Some people say, oh, it's just, you just got to learn how to lose. No! I want to learn how to win. And if I lose, that makes me want to win even more. Say amen. And some of y'all think, well, I don't think, that's why you're still losing. I don't want to live my life with the devil beating me up all the time. I don't want to constantly be have an issue in my life that I don't have victory over. I don't want to have a habit that I can't get over. Are y'all with me? And I've had those issues, and I had those things. But I don't want to stay there. I don't want to give in, throw in the towel, and say, hey, it is what it is. No, it's not. I'm a victor. I'm a child of the king. I want to be on the winning side. I want the big trophy. Say amen. Let's solve the problem. How do we do that? Two ways. Two things. Write this down. Take, take notes because I'm, I'm running quickly out of time. And probably out of your patience, amen. Receive instruction. Receive instruction. Listen, let's go to God. I, I promise you this. That book that you have in your hand, if you, if you have a Bible in your hand, in your, in your lap, every problem you ever face in your life, there's an answer to that problem in that book. God can solve any problem you will ever face in your entire life. Isn't that great? I don't, I don't think you really get the magnitude of what I just said. There'll never be a problem in your life that you can't find the answer in that book. Every one. You say, how do you know that? Because God's the architect of life. And every architect, when he invents something, he gives a book of directions on problem solving. Are y'all with me? What is the word, how they put that in, in, the, in the owner's manual, Jeff? Is it troubleshooting? Is that what they call that? In, in the owner's manual, troubleshooting. I'm glad there is a, a, a area in the Bible for troubleshooting. Amen? But that's not the real issue with most people today. Receiving instructions is not the hard part. Most people will go to that, but that's as far as they go. The second part is the hard part. Applying correction. 
I must go to God, I must go to His Word, I must get godly counsel and receive instruction on the problem that I'm having, on the area that I'm facing defeat in, but then I must apply correction. That is the hard part. I, I, I had a guy in the office, and, it, and, it, and by the way, the, the, the bigger the problem, the more drastic the solution. The bigger the problem, the more drastic the solution. God told him, I need you to destroy the accursed thing. They went and they took Achan, his family, all of their cattle, all of their belongings, and took them and stoned them and burnt them with fire. I thought, whoa. I thought, my gracious, are you serious? But see, his family was in on the deal. Instead of making that right and, and saying, hey, we, 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 they, they were in on the deal. And because of that sin, 36 men died. So he got what he deserved. But the point is, it was a drastic step to take. But Joshua was willing to do something drastic to have victory in his life again. Here's the point. Some of y'all need to take some people out of your life. Well, they've been friends for, we've just been friends forever. Yeah, and you've been living in defeat forever. Hello? Well, I, I, I don't want to quit going to that place. I've been going to that place for years. And look at where you're at. Well, that sounds awful drastic. I told this guy, I told this guy, he had some pretty severe issues going on. And I said, here's what I think you need to do. This is, I believe this will really help your situation. I think you need to do this, step one, step two, step three. This, let's do this and let's see what happens. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he looked at me like I had slapped him right in the face. I'm serious. And I'm sitting on the other side of the desk and I'm looking at him. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he's no longer with us. So don't be looking to see who it is, you know. They don't even go to church here. They're not even here anymore. And, and this is exactly what he said. I don't want to do that. Now, this is what he'd done. This was a time when I wasn't even supposed to be at the church. I was with my family, and it was an emergency situation. you got to do this. This is just it's a disaster. If you don't come, it's all, and, and so I left my family. I come over here. Here we are. Ask me what the problem is. I see what the problem is. This is what you need to do. I don't want to do that. I don't know if you know this, but I was really not happy. But do you realize most Christians, that's where they are? I know I got a problem now. Now I know what I need to do to fix it, but I'm not willing to. You know why? Because we haven't got tired of the defeat yet. You know when you'll take a drastic measure? When you're sick of where you are. And Joshua did not want to face that again. So he took drastic measures. Ladies and gentlemen, unless you're willing to apply correction to the problem, you're always going to live in defeat. Church, say amen. Number three. What was number one? What was number one? We must. Everybody say it. Man, it's quiet today. Number one. Number two. Resolve the problem. Number three. We need to resume the pursuit. Let's go again. God didn't save us and forgive us for us to quit. I had, I had a man in the church in, in Barnwell. I'll say this. We, we've enjoyed this so much today. I'll, in closing, amen. 
had a guy in the, in the church in Barnwell and uh, done something really stupid. I mean, just really ignorant. And and come to me and 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 said, man, I, this is and and made it right and and we prayed and everything. And then he said this. Well, preacher, I'm quitting everything. I said, you're doing what? He said, well, I'm gonna quit everything. He was involved in a bunch of stuff and done a lot. I mean, just a good guy. And so I'm quitting everything. I said, for what? Well, preacher, I, you know, I messed up. And, 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 and now let me say this. There are areas, there are situations where I think that is, it's proper and it's right it, for certain situations that take place, certain failures to back away and, and, and take a break from things to get healing and to get forgiveness, to get uh, counsel and all that kind of thing. But, but this was not one of them situations. But in his mind, because he had slipped up and he had made a mistake, then he was no longer fit to serve and God would never use him again. Ladies and gentlemen, if that was the case, we all need to shut the lights off and go home. I said, let me give you a verse. The Bible says that the blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works so that we can quit what we're doing. Some of y'all are saying, that don't sound right. Because that's not what it says. The blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works, from those ignorant things we've done, from those mistakes and those failures. It will purge our conscience from those dead works so that we may serve a living God. God doesn't fix you so you can quit. God didn't tell Joshua, stay down in the dirt. God told Joshua to get up. Let's do it. Joshua 8.1, he says, all right now, Joshua, you fixed the problem. Fear not. Let's try this again. Some of you have failed in relationships. Some of you have failed in ministry. Some of you have failed in different areas of your life. And, and the devil's creeped into your house, and he's creeped into your shoulder and whispering in your ear and said, you'll never be victorious. You're always a loser. Listen, uh-uh. Don't listen. You're a winner. If you're a child of God, you're a winner. Listen, there's just been a problem. Now let's fix the problem and get up and start over. Say amen. How many of y'all are glad God's a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance God? Woo! Say, come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace.